This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Football Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that every now and again quite likes a good spanking. Chelsea gave City's youth a spanking with five of the best on Sunday to march onward to the quarter-finals of the FA Cup, which for most supporters I know is still massive. Sadly, the TV, the FA and most of all clubs like Man City seem to disagree. In fielding what was tantamount to a youth side, City basically threw the tie and, in my opinion, hugely disrespected the tradition of the greatest cup competition in world football. And they call us a plastic club with no history. Anyway, Eden Hazard wasn't complaining and put in a performance redolent of last season with three assists and a superb goal. But is the little Belgian as happy as a Trappist monk after a night on the ale, or is it all waffle? I'm Stamford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Football Fancast, Citizens Caned. It's all right. I'll just edit in some canned laughter. I don't no, know why no, I bother. No, no, that was good. It's just missing Todd Kane, really. I know, yeah, well, I, I know. Well, I changed it from a K to a C, because I just thought I didn't want to get confused with Harry Kane, but there we go. They are Ross Mooring, as you just heard. Good evening, Chidge. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, too. Did you make it to the game? I did make it to the game, yes. A rare occurrence for me this season. Okay, cool. And uh, we've also got uh, Jonathan Kidd, but he's kind of somewhere in the ether at the moment. Uh, I don't mean that he's on an ether binge, although sometimes I wonder. Uh, it's a body drug, as Hunter S. Thompson so rightly used to say. Um, but I will get hold of Jonathan soon and we will bring him in. But uh, in spite of Jonathan and Ross, we also have a very, very special guest tonight, a great friend of mine. Uh, a man who, like me, likes to sup of an ale in the Cock Inn or the Cock Tavern on a on a match day, but more importantly, he is the chairman of the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Tim, great to have you on the show. Happy to be here. 
It's been a while, hasn't it, mate? In fact, last time I saw you, you, you were round the table in the bunker in Pimlico, weren't you? Well, I've done it, I think I've done it three times. The, the, the bunker in Pimlico, some studio somewhere, and the pub in Putney. Yeah. And, so I've done it, you know, every time I've done this, it's the fourth time. It's been somewhere else, yeah. Don't tell me you preferred the pub in Putney most. No, no, no. Sitting in my living room is fine by me. No, well, so. there you go. You're, like me, you're getting to the stage of life. I'm, I'm too old to get out in the week, mate. I know, that's that's half, half of my problem as well. Anyway, on the show tonight, uh, we're going to be discussing why the FA Cup needs to be respected and its traditions upheld. And has Eden Hazard finally found his mojo. In part two, we'll be applauding some decent football played by Chelsea and we'll be looking ahead to the next tie against Everton and also asking, should Gus Hiddink stay beyond the end of the season? We'll also be looking back on a very good performance in the Champions League last week against PSG and asking if the boys in blue can overhaul the 2-1 deficit in the home leg. And in part three, we're going to be talking to Chelsea Supporters Trust chairman Tim, as I've just said, and we're going to be talking to Tim about the temporary stadium possibly Wembley, uh, the new stadium back at Stamford Bridge, and of course, you know, intertwined with all of this, the future of the Chelsea pitch owners. And of course, you know, there was a, a CPO AGM recently, which I know Tim was at, I suspect Ross was probably there too, and I know Jonathan was. Um, but a, amongst all of that, what we're going to get from Tim really is the trust's position on all of these very, very important uh, issues to Chelsea supporters. And of course, as always, in part four, we'll have the usual roundup of Chelsea supporting news and some cracking emails from the listeners. There's one from the wonderful Bobby D, who's a great friend of ours and the show, and also from Scott from the States. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at seven o'clock by going to Mixler, uh, the address being Mixler, M-I-X-L-R dot com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as many are already doing, and they're all in here tonight. Alison Fragley's here, Tony Glover, the Reverend Tony Glover, Clive Lewis, Debs, uh, Jack Around a Chick, loads and loads and loads and loads of people. And if they're very well behaved, I might even uh, interact with them uh, when nobody's looking. Uh, now, uh, other than that, of course, always, always tweet us at Chelsea Fancast so that I can completely forget to check that. Uh, you never know, I might do it one week and then uh, I can talk to you too. Uh, so there we go. Um, after this lovely little sting, we'll be talking all about uh, Chelsea beating Man City 5-1. First thing on the agenda tonight, gentlemen, um, is this. Uh, I'm going to talk about the football more in part two, really. But the, the thing that really, really annoyed me, actually, and I don't know what you lot think about this, but it annoyed me. But I think that City absolutely, completely and utterly disrespected uh, the FA Cup. Uh, you know, a, a trophy that's beloved of, I think, all Chelsea supporters. And I mean, but basically giving up. I think he threw the tie, Ross, don't you? Yeah, it was it was very much a case of um, sort of throwing the um, the toys out of the pram. Just 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 because you've got a difficult trip to Moscow doesn't necessarily mean you should, um, you know, basically gift gift an FA Cup uh, the opportunity of playing an FA Cup quarter final 
um, to the opposition. I mean, Chelsea away, obviously, it's a tricky fixture for them, but that doesn't mean that you, you, you just go down the route of, of deciding to take, take your ball home in, in that sense. Yeah, I mean... I mean, the thing, the thing that staggers me, and I'm sure Tim's got something to say about this, I mean, we've, we've been down this path many, many a time in the last few years. In fact, I think to the extent where we would say that both the FA, the Premier League, and the UF, and UEFA have conspired against us, um, but we've always, always managed to put a decent team out and always given it our best shot. And I mean, Tim, you know, like me, you, you grew up watching football in the 70s and the 80s. And all the best teams, you know, in, in England and in Europe were, were playing 60, 70 games a year. And that's just how it was. So he's got no excuse, has he? Well, he hasn't got any excuse. And I, I don't really understand it because they're in for four trophies. The Premier League's going to be difficult. I don't think anyone seriously thinks they're going to win the Champions League. OK, they might win. The, they probably will win the League Cup next week. But it just seems... To me, given the size of their squad, that's why you have a 25-man squad. I simply do not understand it. I don't understand why other teams do it either. Teams who've got no chance of winning the league are never going to qualify for the Champions League. Why would you not do what West Ham are doing and actually take it seriously? It just seems there's only four trophies on offer. To most teams, there's three. So why miss the opportunity of, of winning one? I, I, it's simply beyond me. And I'm, I'm, Chelsea have got a number of things you can criticise them for. But at least every year we we take the FA Cup and the League Cup seriously. Yeah, we do, I, and I think I think that's to our credit. I mean, I think in, you know in in Pellegrini's mit, or sorry, as I should say, Pellegrino's mitigation, um, they have got a lot of injuries as well. But you know they're one of the richest clubs in the world, so really, and, and they've got one of the deepest squads going. So I really don't think they have an excuse. And I think he's just having a a, 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 you know, a hissy fit, to be honest. Um, but I, I think the other thing about this is for me what City have done is indicative of a general malaise in the way that the, uh, the the FA Cup's being treated generally, Ross. I mean, you know, there was talk this week about the FA uh, trying to, or, or talking about them having having all the games uh, in midweek, which I just think would be appalling. I mean, for me, one of the great things about the FA Cup is you get a weekend game. I mean, in the old days, of course, it would have been three o'clock on a Saturday. So there's there's that going on, um, you know, wanting no replays, you know, the TV companies having far too much power. I mean, it se- seems to me like the FA are just completely blowing out all of those wonderful traditions. What do you think, Ross? Yeah, I totally agree, especially the the sort of Saturday 3, p- 3 p.m. kickoff. OK, fair enough. You might have to have one at 12 and, and a couple on Sunday for, for the TV these days. But it's massively a big time family occasion, especially the prices that that Chelsea, um, you know, we play at Stamford Bridge these days, and it, it's it's much more of a spectacle when you've got a, you know, a proper a proper Saturday kickoff, and the midweek games are also a complete hassle for um, uh, for travelling supporters as well. It's bad enough as it is at the moment, but you're not exactly going to get, you know, children and people who can't go can't go as often managing to traipse their way halfway up or down the country to to go and see a game if 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 an entire round is played midweek now. I think that's a really good point, actually, Ross. And I think, you know, with with an FA Cup being at the weekend and also being the FA Cup, we all know that a lot of season ticket holders, you know, might not go because they've, they've kind of spent their money on the season ticket if one's being kind. So it does actually allow, uh, you know, an opportunity for kids and families to go that might not otherwise go, not least because the, chick- the ticket prices are cheaper, aren't they, Tim? Yeah, they're cheaper, and I think what's happened over the years, it's been a drip, drip, drip. The year Man United didn't compete, when they moved the final kickoff to 
Um, now, you know, as it is, I think the, the coming sixth round, I wouldn't surprise me if there were games Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But I think this whole business of doing away with replays makes the competition much more potluck. I can see why the TV companies might like it and the clubs. But supporters actually enjoy the FA Cup. Chelsea, to their credit, £30 against Man City, which I thought was a very reasonable price. Other clubs may well charge more. But to me, it, it, the tradition of the FA Cup, the FA have failed in so many ways on so many things. I know they're increasing the number of tickets for cup finalists, um, the two teams, from 25,000 to 28,000, I think probably from the next season. And that's after a campaign that we were involved with and the Arsenal supporters tried led. So on one hand, they're doing a good thing. Then they, they, these ideas get floated, and, it's, and opposed to killing them, which they should do, they just sort of say, oh, it's all part of the debate. And you know that in two years' time, it's, it's what's going to happen. Because at the end of the day, the TV companies and the Premier League clubs call the shots, and the FA, just, they're just supine, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, they really, they really are, uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> You know, like I said, I think I think that's a very, in, in, you know, a very good point that actually the, the, the slippery the slippery slope was started when United, uh, you know, bailed out of it for the stupid, uh, um, this you know, the stupid uh, club well, world. Yeah, thank thank you, Ross. You know, whatever it is. I don't know. I just smell an awful rat of TV in here. And I mean, even even if they are making the tickets cheaper for me, it's just a bit of a, a, a bit of a sop, really. There's nothing serious behind that, particularly when you look at how many people get to go to the League Cup final, Tim. Well, indeed. And I, you know, I know in in years gone by, only Chelsea when they got to the final in '67 only got sixteen thousand tickets. To me, both teams should get forty thousand. But it, it, it's a sop. They they do one good thing, and then they they chop away at it with the other. The FA, I don't know what the FA actually stand for, because they clearly don't stand for the supporters and they don't stand for the heritage of the game. I totally, well, I totally agree. I mean, you know, I look, for me, you know, um, I, I'm very proud of the fact that Chelsea, you know, seem to adhere to the traditions of the of the FA Cup and, and take it very, very seriously. But I do fear for the for the competition and... You know, whilst you get the Premier League growing to the extent that it is, I think that the FA Cup's always going to suffer as a consequence. I mean, for, I mean, arguably the only thing that you can do is to actually offer a Champions League place to the to the winner, uh, which of course will have the added benefit of you know when Wigan win it, they'll be playing in the Champions League or something like that, which would make <laughs> me laugh. But I don't, I don't, I don't know if there is an answer, but I do worry, I do really fear for it. Anyway, we should get get on to some of the football. And the first thing I want to talk about in terms of the City match is is Hazard because. Uh, Let's be frank. He's been absolutely pitiful for for well most of this season. Um, I think he was also pretty. I don't know. I mean, it, it's arguable how poor he was against PSG. I, I, a tough match for him in many respects. But I didn't. You know, big players should turn up in the big matches. Why, why was it tough, Chidge? Oh, hello, Jonathan Kidd's in the house. Hello. Finally sorted out my gremlins. Well, well done. Can you just be quiet for a second and I'll answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, it was a tough match because they're a teasing team. But what I was about to say was that I don't care. Big players should turn up in the big matches, and he singularly didn't. However, 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 uh, against Man City, I thought uh, he actually played really well. Three assists and a super goal. You know, what's what's not to like about that, Ross? Uh, Well, yeah, his his performance against City was certainly encouraging, albeit against a a team full of players who's... Who's, most of whom's names you wouldn't you wouldn't recognise, but he certainly he certainly played his part yesterday. It was a it was a well taken free kick, and as you said, a, a couple of good a couple of good assists to boot. I th- 
for me personally, I thought a lot a lot of the team played well. Um, I don't necessarily think he he you know stood out as as a sort of man of big man of the match. Uh, candidate. I mean, he, you you can make a case for In it. Contribution was, was, certainly. His, yeah, yeah. I I, I agree. What I mean is he, he wasn't he wasn't head and shoulders above above the rest of the team. He was, he just he played very well in in a good team team performance. Did, now, he, now, Jonathan, I'm going to yeah. your first yellow card of the night. I know you're excited because you've been waiting to get in. No talking over each other because it doesn't work. But now I would like to hear what, oh, what you think about it. Me. I thought it was very intriguing that that I was I appeared and then you immediately asked Ross something. Well, I know because I, I, I just wanted you to calm down a bit. You see, just no, get, get just... A, you see, it's a bit, it's a bit like when you, you know, you bring on a sub. You know, so it takes them usually a little bit of time to kind of adjust to the pace of the game. And I'm, right I, and, I, and I'm very, I'm very, you, you clearly haven't. But I was aware of the fact that you might need that little bit of breathing space. But no, listen, I want to hear about what you think about Hazard because you obviously got one, got a bee under the bonnet about it. Well, no, I just felt that that um, he may have played, he may have scored a goal, he may have contributed as the team did, but he still gave the ball away ludicrously. And a, and a perfect example, or even delivered a duff pass, was the final minutes of the game when he's got uh, um, uh, who, who did he have on his left? Uh, I can't remember who he had. It was just him. It was two against one, and uh, he, I think it was Oscar, wasn't it? And he managed to pass the ball behind Oscar who then had to check back and they got four players back. I mean, all right, it was it was the second towards the, the end of the final whistle. But but nonetheless, it, it seemed to, to sum him up for me. Is he still, he's still not the complete player? And all right, everybody's making excuses. Gus has been saying, well, it's taken him some time to get fit again. But he he's still just not, not in, to me, he's not firing on all cylinders for whatever reason. But there was a, there was a distinct element of progress made in this game. But was that because... We were playing against a complete team of reserves. I, d I don't know if Tim will agree with me, but I, you know, I, I would agree with you to a certain degree there, Jonathan. But I, I think really, it, it, I think what we're seeing is a massive, massive, massive dip in confidence, which has fueled this dip in form. And uh, I think with Hazard, and actually, do you know what? E even dear old BBC couldn't, uh, you know, miss this point. But when Hazard plays well, like he did last year, he attacks defences. He runs straight at them invariably getting fouled on the edge of the area but he runs at people to try and take them on and I, we've seen nothing of that this year but once his confidence started started rising he, he you know that first goal I thought was beautifully laid on um second one wasn't so although then there was the one for William which I thought was superb his confidence visibly rose and we started seeing him running at the defences again didn't we Tim we did I I'm still you know very nervous about Hazard's sort of motivation whether he expects to be at Chelsea next season and you need to temper yesterday with the fact that a they were playing a load of kids and b in goal they had someone i arguably is the worst goalkeeper i've seen at stamford bridge in a number of years well that, that's so, some, that's a big know, ask tim to be fair well I mean, that, and that, that's just some of our goalkeepers goal, well but hazard's goal was just laughable whether the keeper going the wrong way walking behind the wall but no it, obviously it's important for chelsea in the remaining cup cup matches that Hazard has got the confidence because he has got the ability to play at the highest level. It's just whether whether it's a confidence thing, whether it's a motivational thing, I don't know. I'd need more evidence than just the performance yesterday, to be I think, honest. I think so. I mean, look, I don't think it's, it's, it's too simplistic to say, oh, great, he's you know made a few assists and scored a goal. He's absolutely back to where he was. A bit like saying, you know, when Gus turned up and Jose went, oh, OK, Chelsea are going to be back. It's going to be a slow process to get back to where he was. And I think one thing that, that annoyed me a lot yesterday, I bet you Ross picked this up, you know, every time that the 
I have to be honest, quite impressive Baba Rahman head down the left uh, and, and was a, good, a really good out ball for Hazard. He, he never passed to him, did he, Ross? Um, I, I, I actually, sorry to disappoint you, I didn't, I didn't totally pick that up. Oh, um, right. 1-0 to Chinch did... then. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I, no, I did notice, uh, I did notice Baba got, got down the wing, so I keep, I keep having visions of, of Baba Yaro whenever I say uh, Baba. Whenever you know what, Baba... if he grew his hair a bit, he would look the spit of Baba Yaro, you realise that? He could, he could do, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, I thought I thought he did get up up and down the wing a lot. Um, and and as Jonathan um, and I think Tim have said that um, Hazard definitely he's you know compared with last season he's got a few more few more gears to go through until until we can actually say he's back or you know he's really driving driving the team the team forward. Well, I, I was disappointed that that Hazard didn't pass to to, to Baba. I thought that was a bit off. Jonathan, what did you think? No, um, no. Well, I was just saying that I, I think Hazard needs to be a uh, a match winner before he he's back to his best. Before yeah. we say because he he should be the uh, the uh, the nine out of ten player in the Chelsea team every week. Which uh, yeah, uh, but I don't think is a is a big ask considering that that's what <laughs> that's what the that's what the top the top players are in uh, in Europe. Yeah. So um, um, I, no, no. I think I, I thought as as well as you. I thought I thought Baba had an excellent game, and yeah. I'm afraid I didn't spot it either, Chidge, because he he. What one of the things he was always good at, even when he was absolutely terrible at the beginning of the season, was he could whip a mean cross in. Yeah. If, if you actually have him as a a decent ball player, which he's become, and he doesn't look completely inept as a defender, and he's got the ability to whip a mean ball in, and he's got and and uh, Cesar and uh, uh, Dave is playing. Um, Playing right fullback and whips the ball in, and you've got him whipping the ball in. You've suddenly got two very good attacking sources that we haven't had. Yeah. When Branner plays right back, because his crosses are of a very low, um, hit the bloke on the back of the head or the or the back variety, and uh, and Dave um, is always trying to get them in right footed if he can. So suddenly we've got a right footer right back and a left footed left back. Yeah, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Listen, just just to just to move it on a bit before we go to the break, I, I, and it's kind of related to Hazard, really, and and that's uh, you know a bit of a, a soft penalty, I think, uh, given to Traore, um, and and Oscar made an absolute horlicks of it. And, and I love your Facebook Facebook. Um, uh... It, it, why is he taking the penalty? No, no, it was far more Jonathan Kidesk. It was far was more. It? it was far more diva-driven. It was why, why, why is Oscar still taking penalties? And it was just born out of utter frustration. And I mean, I mean, has I mean, and in fact, actually, I thought it was really. I mean, this is the the interesting thing. Actually, I'm gleaning from all of this is that you were all at the game, and I actually wasn't yesterday. I actually watched this from the comfort of my armchair. And I think you're right, Jonathan. You do get a very different perspective. Hence, me picking up Baba not being past to you, perhaps. But um, after the match, Fabregas in the in the in the post-match presser actually, you know, had a go at Hazard for not being more aggressive about taking it, even though he said he wanted it. But clearly, Oscar cannot take another penalty for Chelsea ever again, can he, Tim? Well, the good thing is he took one and missed it when it didn't matter. So hopefully he won't be asked again because I would certainly there's a number of players in the team I think would be ahead of him. But it wasn't a good penalty. He didn't look like he expected to score it. And, uh, you know, and to, to the, the level we're at, we've got enough decent players in the team that should be capable of scoring nine penalties out of ten, not, not missing a couple in a row. Well, I think it was nice to see that Traore clearly wanted it, and we'll talk about him in yep. part two, but I was encouraged by that. But, I mean, Hazard was our penalty taker, wasn't he, Ross? So, you know, I mean, I know he missed one or two, and obviously his confidence went, but he should be taking the penalty, surely. 
Um, well, I've never been a big Hazard penalty backer. I think he has that style where every so often the keeper's just going to guess the right way or, or, or guess what the double bluff is. But he, he certainly takes a more confident penalty than Oscar does. It was kind of such a bizarre run-up. You, you, you occasionally see that stutter step, but he, he kind of stood on one leg like a flamingo for about half a second before sort of poking at it. Um, he stuttered so wonderfully that he told the goalkeeper where he was going to put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the fact that Traore went after it because that's really what you want from a penalty taker. Sometimes those ultra creative types like like Matter was one. They they just for some reason they can't take penalties. Whereas the players who just want to step up and and knock it in, those are the sorts of players who want taking penalties. Like Drogba used to, Lampard used to. Um, so so yeah, I, I, hopefully we see Graham Roberts. Ones Graham here. Roberts. Listen, that's given me a really good idea actually, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of. You use you and Tim having been there for such a long time to, to, to fuel this but apart from Pat Nevin's penalty against Man City what's the worst Chelsea penalty you've ever seen Tim? Right well I can come up with two we played Portsmouth I think Boxing Day December 1983 Kerry Dixon took two missed both of them and the chant from the shed was Dixon Dixon are you pissed? Dixon Dixon are you and, pissed I love it yeah but, and, you know it was a very strange game, but you know, we, we only drew, but we, we got promoted in the end. But that was, yeah, to, for our, a man who got 26 goals that season to miss two penalties in, in one game was, was unusual, shall we say? I remember that. I absolutely remember that. Yes, fantastic. I can't remember anything at all, Chidge, because uh, most most penalties render me so missed penalties render me so miserable. Uh, I I deliberately forget all about them. So you, I, even, you... I didn't. I was present for the for the Nevin, and I didn't even remember that till it was pointed out to me on YouTube, and then well, it all came back to me horribly. Of him uh, missing it like yeah. that. I, remember, I don't uh, want to relive that. I don't want to see that again. I'm, I'm, I've I'm, got one for you, Chidge. Go on then, Ross. Um, it's quite quite a recent one, and I'm slightly contradicting myself here, but it will always stick in the memory because um, I think uh, Chell Tell had um, quite a few quid on it. But Lampard completely missing the target in the FA Cup final a few years ago, where oh, he just slid past the post, and, and, he, and he lost four. Yeah, he lost four hundred quid on that, quid. didn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. he's still waiting for that money from Frank. If you're listening, oh, nice one. Listen, we're going to go to a very quick break, but uh, before we do, um, we'll, well, actually, after the break, we're going to be applauding. Some very decent football, I think, played by Chelsea, albeit against some, uh, some, uh, you know, whippersnappers. And we'll be looking ahead to the next target, Everton, and we'll, uh, we'll be asking, should Gus Hiddink stay beyond the end of the season? And we're also going to have a look back on a very good performance in the Champions League last week against PSG and asking if the boys in blue can overhaul the 2-1 deficit in the home leg. We'll be back with you in a minute. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you are listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast and I've got uh, the wonderful Ross Mooring in the house. Evening, Chidge. I've got the um, ubiquitous Jonathan Kidd. The late Jonathan Kidd. The late Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> What's that lovely joke that uh, Tommy Doherty used to always say about Ron, Ron Harris? He said he used to go up to Chopper before the game and said, make sure you get your late tackles in early. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. Now here, and we've got a man in the house who I know is a huge fan of Tommy Doherty, and in fact is writing a book about 
uh, Chelsea in the 60s. Mr. Tim Rolls, the chairman of the Chelsea Supporters Trust, Tim. Indeed, yes. Just a very quick one on the book. Yeah. It's almost finished. Hoping to do a few ex-player interviews over the next couple of months. Knock it all together over the summer. No point in bringing the book out over the summer with all the uh, Euro stuff and the 50th anniversary of the World Cup. Get it out in September. Yeah, good, good so, idea. So uh, that, that's, that's the plan. Well, yeah. you're, you're welcome to come back on the show well before then, Tim, but I, I'm going to yeah. book you in, absolutely book you in now. <laughs> I thought uh, it was a decent win, and I thought we saw some really decent football, actually. And I, and I tell you what I mean by that. I mean, I know I know that City were crap and all the rest of it, and they played the kids, and their, their confidence just, you know, it's like a, a tyre being deflated when that third goal went in. But I thought we played some really good football nevertheless, and, and I think that that is indicative of the confidence that... Uh, that, that Goose has possibly instilled in the side. But it's also, I think, um, very much to do with the way that he uh, allows his players to play. And, and I, you know, that second goal was, was stunning. I don't know what you lot thought. Ross, I'll ask you first. What did you think about that? What, the, the goal or the, or the performance? Well, I mean, the goal and, and, and the performance generally, actually. The, the quality of the football, the style of football. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a there's definitely an increased fluidity in the last in the last few weeks, maybe even maybe even month now. The way that we're playing, and I, I think credit to Goose for actually naming an un, an unnamed uh, an unchanged side from uh, from the PSG game because I think it's actually allowing uh, the players sort of just to get get back into the rhythm of playing with each other. And, and as you said, that that did contribute um, to that second goal. The way the way we went from you know in, inside our our own third to to. To scoring a quite a clinical finish through, um, oh, sorry, we're talking about the William goal. Aren't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that was a, that was a very good strike. I think I think overall we're just we're playing we're playing decent football, and, and as you say, he's just he's just letting the side sit and back the, and, and and play. Yeah, I mean the the other thing that strikes me about it is that you know that they they look like scoring goals all the time. I mean there was a period, you know, obviously in the early part of the season but also actually you know with Gus funnily enough in the first few matches but they, they looked like they couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo but actually we look threatening now every time they go forward you think blimey they might score here I think and it's helped by the fact that Pedro is, is a new player isn't he just? It's a, it's a, he adds he adds something really excellent to the the I mean it's obviously a combination that they've they've I think it was mentioned on Match of the Day yeah. they had together both Pedro and uh, and Fabregas had to de- had together at Barcelona, but um, uh, he he the last few games he he, he I mean, we always knew that he could put it about. We all thought he was a bit a bit lightweight. I don't mean put it about physically. Well, I, mean, I was really rude about him, wasn't I? Well, unbelievably so. But, but suddenly has he he fits the way that Goose is playing rather beautifully, having yeah. a, another very nippy. He's actually been doing Hazard's job a bit. Let's be let's be frank. Anyway, Pip. Pedro, I agree, and I'm sorry. I, I apologise to you, Pedro. You you are a decent player, I have to say, and and, and I think he's played. Re- I thought he played really well against PSG as well, for that matter. But he's certainly making a. Di- I think that at the moment, I mean, given Hazard's got his problems, but I actually really. We'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. I'm I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Um, what I am going to do, though, Tim, is I'm going to now. It's I presume Gary uh, Gary Wilson's in the house. I'll be amazed if he isn't. Um, I really hope he is, because I'm going to say something now that's going to make him fall off his chair. But um, I have to admit, I thought Fabregas played really, really well yesterday and was basically the fulcrum of everything that was good about Chelsea in terms of our creativity. There, I've said it. I can go and have a lie down now. What do you reckon, Tim? Gigi was wonderful. He was, wasn't he? Tim? Yeah, well, I, I, I thought the whole team played pretty well. But as I say, you have to have the caveat 
the opposition wasn't wasn't top class, but we were flowing. And I think generally, you know, Fabregas did play well, but the rest of the midfield played well. You know, Pedro and Hazard, we we just looked more more cohesive as as a unit going forward. And we actually looked like we might when they did attack. Apart from the ridiculous goal we gave away, we actually looked like we might stifle them before they got the got the shot in. So I thought generally it was it was it was a good performance. As I say, with, with that caveat, but be interesting to see what team he plays going forward. Well, it will be. And as I said, I am gonna I'm gonna keep my powder dry on that because I do want to talk about that in a minute. But just a very quick rundown. I, I also think that. Uh, a lot of props uh, should be given to Traore, Ross. I mean, he scored a goal again. That's two in two, isn't it? He looks a player. He looks a proper striker. I, I really like him. He does. Yeah, he did. He did well for um, uh, Vitesse there last season when they when they pushed him up front at one point. He and you can see he's also got that um, uh, that sort of wing style of play where where he he knows where the players are around him. He gets the ball into feet and he moves it on quickly, and he and he's definitely got a sharp mind and, and that was a really clever little finish with with the header in sort of looping header into the top corner pretty much the only place where he could have scored and, and although uh, and, and although city's keeper was uh, rather inept on the day um he, he also did well winning winning the penalty it was definitely an encouraging performance again from him well and he also hit the post and i thought that i mean that yeah, would have yeah. been a really good goal had that gone in jonathan it, go on it sorry mate true, was it, no, okay, it was a true strikers goal the top strikers goal the header because it he sort of got the the ball into the vicinity you know you saw him there and he he, he beat the, uh, the the center half and flicked it back and you know it might, some days it won't go in some days it did but it's a it's a fantastic effort i i love the fact that that goose is playing him much more centrally and jose played him on the yeah. right wing all the time he did indeed so, and so and, and and as rightly as ross said he did very well for vitesse playing center forward and so why Jose kept playing him on the wing is beyond me. Well, uh, God only he knows. Had, he had been a winger up until that point up in, until he in had his before. career. Absolutely, but that I agree. But, but nonetheless, Vitesse yeah. proved that he was scoring. I think he's terrific. And I think, um, and I can understand why he's playing him instead of Remy, because uh, he, he's really up for it and he's eager. Can I just say one other point I wanted to make about the whole where the team's playing? There seems to be a joy about the team that has not been there all season suddenly it's there there is a a commitment and a an almost an affection when they're all coming off you know they you i always felt they were going through the through the, the just the process of uh, going through the motions of of giving each other high fives in this instance they really look as if they mean it, it and the, you analyze the fact they've scored they've now had three five ones in the last uh, last four games whatever it is it's um uh, it's it's a team on the up without any shadow yeah. of it you know you know what they say though guys you know, there's no, there's no I in team, but there is a me. Tumbleweed. I don't know why I bother. Um, anyway, um, to, to... it's very good, but we had to work it out. For oh, for a, God's you know, sake! You're not that stupid. No, but I know, but I thought it's a puzzle, isn't it? What's Chidge saying? You know, oh, it's, it's that old cliche. I, I read some weird. Uh, don't ask me how I found it. This is, this is the joys of being bored and then surfing the internet occasionally. But I found some really weird stream the other day of a chat room that mentioned our show. And, and to be really honest, most of the comments about the show were brilliant and people really love it and all the rest of it. And there was one lad who said, Chidge is great, but he tells some really shit jokes quite a lot. But apart from that, it's brilliant. <laughs> I thought, yeah, he's pretty much got me banged to rights. Um, listen, talking of a youth player who, who looks like he really could be uh, the real deal, 
Um, I was very disappointed to see Matic come on instead of, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and I thought it would have been much better to bring him on. And I have to say, I mean, the more the more we're seeing the season pan out, the more it, it, it seems clear to me that actually the biggest malaise is, is with, with Matic, possibly. And I just thought it was, what a waste. Why bring him on? Why not bring on Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Tim? I've absolutely no idea. I, I, the same thing occurred to me. We, we, you know, the game was... We were in complete control. There must be must be some reason he, because Loftus Cheek looks the business. But you hear stories he can't last ninety minutes. In which case, it's perfect to bring him on as a sub for him to prove himself. Because I, I suspect the team, yeah, that was probably his strong. I know you're going to talk about this in a minute. It was probably the, the team he sees as his strongest team at the moment. But I would have thought giving peripheral players time. Is the only way they're going to be able to prove themselves that they can get in. So it, it did mystify me. Yeah. But to be honest, Hiddink's getting most things right most of the time, and you can't say fairer than that, especially with an interim manager. Well, that's a really good segue, actually, Tim, because I do want to very quickly talk about this because it, you know he, he's played that he played the starting eleven against City and he played it against PSG, and I think uh, you know as always by luck or, by, or rather than design, he's found his best elect starting eleven, and I mean given that. You know, one should perhaps argue that Terry would come in for, I would say, Ivanovic. Uh, I think that's our best starting level. And I mean, you, you guys already have, have picked up on the fact, in fact, it was Jonathan, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, about the fact that we've actually now got a right-footed right-back and a left-footed left-back, and they can both bomb up the wings, and they are genuinely an attacking threat. And I don't think that, I mean, we know that Dave Asby can defend, and I don't think uh, Rahman's as bad as people were, were trying to make out. Uh, stick two good centre-backs in there. Uh, you know, Terry, Cahill or Ivanovic. Mikel, I think, has been, again, as well as the right-backs, really fundamental to this. And, I mean, I'm a huge Mikel fan, as as, we, as a, a lot of people know. But I think his tactical discipline and actually just doing what he does best is actually allowing Fabregas, you know, the confidence to go and play his game because he knows that Mikel's going to mop up behind him. And then you've got, as you said earlier on, Pedro on the right is stunning. William can play anywhere, but he's quite good at playing number 10. And if only Hazard picked up a bit of form, we'd be flying and Costa's banging the goals in. I actually think he's found our best 11. He, has to, play, he has to play Mikel because uh, Matic is not an alternative anymore. No, quite it, right. right. And the only person who can... can and and he's, up, he's, he's given opportunity. He's upped his game. Just to get back to Loftus-Cheek a second, you know I'm not a big fan. I don't think that Goose fancies him. And that's why he didn't put him on. Because I honestly think this business about not lasting, he disappears too much, mm-hmm. and I think, and I don't think, and he's willing to give youth a go because he's giving Traore a go. Yeah, if the person's yeah. good enough, he'll give him a go, and that's why I don't think Goose is uh, is is picking him. Yeah. Tim, do you, Tim, what do you what do you think? Is this is this our best eleven? I, I think it probably is, and I think I suspect he'll he'll largely stick with it. He may, if Terry comes back in, it, as you, as said earlier, I suspect it'll be for Ivanovic. Um, well, one would but, hope. You know, I, I, I can see him. I mean, how how mental are we going to be uh, if he if he brings Terry back in and puts Ivanovic to right back? I mean, that that is just I, I, insanity to do that. Surely. Yeah. The other thing to bear in mind is that Terry will not. I, I suspect when we get into two games a week, Terry won't. Which we are nearly. I'm not sure Terry will be able to play all of them anyway. So we'd have to might have to rotate a bit there. But I would hope. It will be Cahill and Terry as first choice. Yeah, but I mean, if he puts Ivanovic into right back and drops... Oh, oh no. I, I would be surprised if he did that. I think Baba Rahman 
was much mocked at the start of the season, but I think he's, he's, he seems to be, have come through and, and actually demonstrating why he's cost £17 million or £19 million or whatever it was. 21, I think it was. Yeah. 21, sorry, I, I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah. Ross, what do, you, what do you reckon, mate? Um, you know, is, is that our best team? Do we need to stick with that? I, I certainly think it's got a good attacking balance. Maybe, maybe away from home, in uh, for example, at Everton, um, it might see a, a sort of the Ivanovic Aspi combination at fullback just for a bit more security. But it's definitely got good balance. Um, I think, I think what Hiddink's really done for Mikel is he's he's, he's liberated him. Yeah. He's, I, I think Mikel's quite often played with a lot of fear at Chelsea yeah. to sort of everyone else take the ball forward. I'm not going to do it, but he's taken some responsibility now with his play, and he's looking like the player. <laughs> He sort of always threatened to be for for what is it almost a, a, a decade now? Yeah, it is a decade. Um, uh, Pedro, I think he's he's sort of fitted in now that he's got a sort of a, a nailed down role specifically on the right hand side. I think having uh, taking Oscar out unfortunately has has been a bit has been a bit of a boon for the team. You know, having William playing that number ten role has just been consistent all season long, and he's very good at in sort of all aspects of the play. And and as you say, hopefully. Hopefully Hazard can get back into a bit of form, and then suddenly we've got a team that, touch wood, can can give PSG a bit of a bit of a game um, uh, in the return leg, and and you, you never know. It's a cup competition. I mean, this is why it was so strange at the at for the first half of the season with with Jose. How this team, every sort of every player was well, was like, underperforming, or, they... apart from William, and and now and now you're looking again. They're looking. They're playing more like the team who. Who played really well for large parts of the one, title one of the thing, one of the thing, one of the things I will say because it actually segues again quite nicely into the, the the thing about I want to talk about with Gus. But actually, Baron's badges on Twitter. I had a chat with him earlier on, and he wrote some a really nice piece in in Rivals dot net or whatever it is. Um, and I think your point about Mikel being liberated actually goes for the rest of the team. And and, and I, I don't think they are playing with fear anymore. And I always remember, I, I'd actually Tim will remember this too, possibly Jonathan, but there's a great film that was out after the PSG game last week called I Believe in Miracles. I watched which, it. Yeah, there we go, Jonathan. I thought one of us would, but uh, brilliant film. And I, it's a, I, I'm a huge fan of Brian Clough, and I always was. And, and, and you know, cut that, that what came through from a lot of the interviews with those players, Jonathan, was he allowed them responsibility and freedom. He didn't overcomplicate things. He made it simple. And football is, after all, a simple game. And I think, actually, Gus, in his own way, is doing something similar. He's liberating them. He's allowing them the responsibility. You know, here's the ball. There's the goal. Pass it to him. Off you go. You know, it's quite they simple. All loved, they all loved, clearly loved and respected him as well. What, Clough? Yeah, Clough, yeah, all the yeah. players. Which yeah. is something that... Um, that clearly Jose lost completely. Yeah, yeah. But I think Gus is doing a good job, isn't he, Tim? And, and there's no doubt about that. Um, and it's like, it is like a bit of a breath of fresh air. It's, it looks like a happy team. It looks like a team, number one. It looks like a happy team. Um, surely there's an argument to say, why, why, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, his personal preferences clearly need to come into it because, you know, he's probably at the stage where maybe he doesn't want to be doing long-term jobs i mean you know he, he, i'm sure he's earned plenty of money he is the team has stabilized they do seem happier the club seems a happier place that the leaking from where where forever it came seems to have stopped yeah that's a good which point. is interesting and he he is playing with a, with a purpose key players look much more purposeful i mean costa's a classic case in point oscar hazard william who had to carry us on his own for about three three and a half, four months, now is, is one of a number of, of, of very good players. And I, I think 
you know, fair credit to him. Now, I, I would personally be very happy for him to stay, simply because, you know, if we 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 need to get this right, and if it takes longer to get it right, then fine. I know that there's various managers' agents planting their their clients' names in the paper, Simeone, Conte, various people I've never even heard of. But we we do need to get this right, and if if that means keeping Hiddink for another year to make sure we get it right, and he's happy with that, then it looks like the team would be happy with that. I mean, I think you've then got concerns about long-term purchasing strategy, but you know that's something to worry about another day. So maybe that's the best thing to do, yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, what, what I think about Gus is that he's clearly been a very stabilising and calming influence. And, and I think at the end of the day, uh, whatever else is going on at Chelsea, we all know that underneath it's an absolute chaotic shambles and that we've been on the, the, you know, going through a transitionary period for about the last six years and have never actually managed to do it. And and I, I think, well, given the fact that we're in, in a state of transition, that basically we're in the dying embers of the great team that Mourinho built, then, you know, I would like to see somebody like Gus transition that. Because if we get a new manager in the summer, which is clearly we probably will, um, he's probably going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, it's not all completely screwed up at Chelsea. There are some very good things about it. But there's a chance that he might have a scorched earth policy and just throw it all away and restart in his own guise. And, of course, we all know that whoever it is, they probably won't last more than a year or two anyway. And then the cycle continues. And I just get a sense that somebody you know, who, who, whose experience and calm... Uh, demeanour, uh, you know, and sense would be a much better person to make that transition than a new manager. What do you think, Ross? Um, well, sorry to sound really sort of down and despondent about it, but I don't think it, it. Well, yes, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it matters. I, I, I've just kind of given up caring about who the next manager is going to be. It's, it's, it's almost an annual event, and it, it doesn't matter who it is. They're not going to last more than a, a couple of years anyway. I, I think, for what it's worth keep Goose around, there's a bit of continuity there, you know, the, the players seem to be playing a, a decent brand of football and, and a few of the youth players have been given a, have been given a game which is more than we can we can say for, for any time really since since Ancelotti in fact, so yeah, keep Goose but in the long run, it, it, you know, that we're, we're never more than a few months away from sacking any specific yeah. manager. What, what, do you, what do you think Jonathan? Ancelotti was forced to play Bruma and uh, Van Arnholt who were completely um, too young to be playing in those positions in the, the year after we'd won the double and that didn't work at all. Um, um, what was I going to say? Um, the, the, um, Kerman um, was the manager at PSG when Goose was director of football, wasn't he? PSV. Is it, uh, yeah, sorry, B, sorry, PSG. PSV, yeah. Um, so you wonder whether he could be poached from Southampton. I, uh, I would be really up for that. I think Kuman's going to be a superb did. manager. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, fantastic. He's done, he's done wonders at Southampton. Mm. It's a question of whether, whether they've uh, got the clout or the, the wisdom to do that. Mm. Um, but I, I, from what I keep reading about Goose's statements in, uh, in the, um, from, the, the, from the, 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 the press meetings that he gives, he keeps saying, uh, I'm only here till the summer. Um, and I think there's that, that theory from before that his wife keeps wanting him to retire. Mm. Um, so, because he, he's always been involved with Chelsea as some kind of uh, as as ear for for Roman, so uh, it's a question of what degree he carries on like that. I think I think it's completely inevitable that we'll have a new man. Yeah, uh, and and, I, then, and, then, and he'll be gone within about a year and a half, which is the so, sad the sadness of it. And so and so it continues. It's a question of of, of who who he decides uh, 
is 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 driftwood and needs to go. Can I just say what harping back to what you were talking about before? The one thing we haven't talked about, unless I missed at the beginning, was how well uh, Gary Cahill has played since he's come in for for Zuma, um, and uh, uh, and what a fantastic partnership he's had with Ivanovic because mm -hmm. I think they've both been absolutely superb together, and I think this really does cause a, a, a selection, a good selection problem over JT. Because yeah. yeah. at the moment, you do not need JT. It's an awful thing to say, but the way they've both played has been has been fan fantastic. Well, actually, that's a good time to, to kind of segue into PSG, actually, I think, Jonathan. You've done a beautiful job there. But be before we do, before we do, I just want to un underline this point uh, um, and, and that whatever happens, the, the most shocking thing, there was an article in The Telegraph this week, that the brains trust that will be appointing our new manager will be obviously Roman, obviously Marina, uh, sadly Michael Emanalo, but even more alarming from my point of view is apparently they're taking advice from Avram Grant. That is the brains trust that will appoint the new manager. And of course Emanalo's clearly been pushing his agenda for the last few weeks trying to get Pellegrino in. God help us is all I can say. And it would be it would be so sensible, I think, to, to give Gus another year if he's up for doing it, because I just think the transition will be easier. Anyway, I want to move on to uh, I want to move on to um, to PSG because I, I actually thought that um, in spite of losing, uh, you know, I thought that it was a it was, it was a quite it was like a 2012 s performance. I thought they defended heroically against I think what is a very very good team. I mean, you know, evidenced by the fact that they could bring on Cavani with about 20 minutes to go, who, who, who won the match for them. But I actually thought that they defended very, really well. And to pick up on Jonathan's point, the heart of that defence were, were Ivanovic and Cahill throwing themselves in front of the ball regularly, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Cahill was exceptional. Well, they're both exceptional, I thought, in, uh, in Paris. But they, it was the old bodies on the line thing. It was mm. just like going back... A few years it was it was the old Chelsea if you like things we weren't doing in the first third of the season so I I'm I thought that gave me great hope for the second leg I know they've got good players I know we're gonna to have to play out of our skins but one you, you can guarantee there'll be a good atmosphere they're not infallible um, as, as they proved uh, PSG and I, I, I was really enthused by that game I, I, I didn't go to Paris I don't watch many Chelsea games on TV because I'm lucky enough to go to most matches and I hate watching them on TV. But I really enjoyed Chelsea's performance. Yeah, me too. I, I thought they also looked really, really good, Ross, when they actually had a go at PSG and PSG wobbled. When we attacked them, they didn't look so, so swa you know, swaggerish, did they, or whatever the word is. They, they, they did fold a little bit, I thought. Swanky. Yeah, that, that's that's what you get when um, when when you're leading your your league by however many twenty odd points or whatever it is, and and you're you're sort of in a one horse race. You don't you don't really get to test yourself against against other good teams. And um, you know, for for all the problems we've had this season, we are playing decent football. We have got good footballers, and and we can get at teams. I still think we're a little um, you know we're a little we're a little too open at times. Having to defend like that, and Courtois made a number of saves. He did, didn't he? Um, shows shows that we were um, sort of letting letting a few sort of moves come through, especially with with the way the last goal went in. Was was he um, at fault? Was he at fault for that goal? Do you think, Ross? Who? Courtois. Courtois. Uh, yes and no. I mean, you you could say he, he, he maybe should make that save, but that's quite quite a lot of goals like that are scored in that area, straight straight low and and through the keeper's legs. He's got a lot of goal to protect, and 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 I think you've got to actually call into question. Sort of the pressure on the ball um, from when the pass was first made that that that's really what the, where the opening came from. But it was think, good, it was a good pass to be fair, and he did yeah, it yeah. away really well. So you know sometimes people score it good was. goals against you. 
yeah yeah exactly and I, but that's kind of speaks to my point i think i think it was coming i think in the return leg we're going to it's it's really going to be dependent on PSG. Are they, are they going to bottle it as they have done in in Europe before, um, or are they going to turn up and play properly? I think I think as long as we play, as as we can do, we'll give ourselves a good chance. But I do think it depends on PSG. They've got they've got a lot of firepower. If they if they play if they play really well, we we might struggle. If if they don't turn up, then then I think we've got a very good shot. Jonathan, do you think we'll do it? Um. I would like to think so. I, I think the crowd need to get really behind everybody on that that night, which uh, we need to be louder than the PSG um, supporters. Um, and everybody's got to play at the peak. But I think I think it's evolving this season, it, it possibly into uh, um, into a terrific season. I know it's based on on um, uh, obviously the Everton game is going to be very important. Then, but they're they're much better away at the moment, Everton, than they are at home. Um, uh, for the FA Cup glory would be wonderful, but yeah, if we could get something out of the PSG game, it would be fabulous. I think. Uh, um, uh, it also, we have to think about is what Goose going to come up with because Goose is a fantastic coach, and he may come up with uh, with with a tactic that that um, that they can't quite deal with. Well, we only so, need, we only need to win one nil, of course. Indeed, I, I'm. I think they'll score though. I yeah, think, I think you're right. I think uh, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be higher scoring than uh, than that. I think it. I think three one we could win, or even what could, we could win four two, couldn't we as well? Yeah. I'm not and sure if we score four, but I, it could be one of those great games. It could be one of, the, could one be one those, of great... those great European nights at Stamford Bridge, Jonathan. The, the previous uh, PSG when we came back and scored uh, all the all the goals against them was um, was was marvellous, wasn't it? Not, it was. not last year, but the year before. The, the dem, dare, dare to Denver. Yes, indeed. So, Tim, do you reckon we we can do it? I, I, I do. I mean, I, I take the point that, you know, it, it will depend partly how PSG play. But I think the atmosphere will be the best at Stamford Bridge this season by a distance. I think everyone knows this is a real chance for us to get through. I, I'm still not sure how far we would go if we get through. That would depend on the draw. But there's a real chance for us to progress. And I, I, I think it could be one of the great Stamford Bridge nights. Well, let's hope so. I, I have to say that, unfortunately, very sadly, I am not able to be there that night. So, uh, Jonathan, you'll have to sing loudly to make up for my absence. Yes. And his butler. Yeah, yeah, of course. I don't think I will be singing, actually, Chidge, if that's OK. I'll probably be lying down. I know. You have to look after your voice, darling, I know. Right. Your voice is your livelihood, I know. Uh, <laughs> but sadly, I won't be there, which is a great shame, because as Tim and in fact, all of you have said, there is nothing like... Uh, you know, a European night at Sanford Bridge. I've some of the best. I mean, I, I I still think probably the two best atmospheres I've seen at the bridge in kind of you know modern history, if you like, uh, were, were Vincenza and uh, and 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 Napoli, of course, which were just unbelievable. So I think we need another one of those. I don't know what it is. There is a bit of a there's a, there's definitely a bit of a, a 2012 feel about this, isn't there, chaps? Do you think? Yes, yes. Yeah, let's hope so. Listen, we've got to move on to the next part, I'm afraid, but it's been, I enjoyed that chat. But after the break, we will be talking to none other than the Chelsea Supporters Trust chairman, Tim Rolls, all about the temporary stadium, the new stadium, and the future of the Chelsea pitch owners, and the Trust's position on all of these important issues. We will see you in a second. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. 
Welcome back. I am Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and we are now bombing into part three. And this is going to be fascinating for those of you who uh, have, have heard Tim uh, speak publicly, as he has done many, many times before in the media, uh, in uh, in his Chelsea Supporters Trust capacity. But as you know, as, and I shall use one of Chelsea Fancast's favourite cliches, which is there are people who have yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who still know that Chelsea is about to move to a temporary stadium whilst we build our new stadium. And this is probably, I would say, the most important thing to happen at Chelsea since probably Roman arrived. And one could argue a lot uh, longer than that, but we shall see. But anyway, we're delighted to have Tim on the show tonight to really kind of let us know where he and the Trust sits on all of this. And I'm going to have a little bit of a chat, first of all, about the temporary stadium. So, I mean, at the moment, Tim, you know, nobody... Really, I mean, we all think it'll be Wembley, but nobody knows for certain, do they? Nobody knows for certain. I mean, I, I live there. There are, in theory, three options: there's Wembley, there's Twickenham, and there's Stratford. I live not far from Twickenham. The local council seem to be strongly opposed, and local residents. So I think Twickenham is unlikely, which means basically it's Wembley or Stratford. And from what you read in the press, Wembley is the most likely. Maybe we play all our games there, Spurs play their league games there and play their cup ties at Milton Keynes. That that is a that is a possibility. Two or three papers have floated that. But I don't think anybody really knows. I don't think Chelsea probably won't announce anything until we get planning permission for the redeveloped stadium. Because you know that, that has a as a, a timing influence. Unless they sign a contract and they're absolutely certain certain what's going to happen. But I think the, the concern is we're going to a temporary stadium, which rarely happens in football. I know. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great! Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Wimbledon have done it and I think Charlton have done it, but we're doing it 
We're a big club. We're going for three or even potentially four years. And to me, there are, there are some massive issues. If Whichever we go to is going to inconvenience a lot of match-going supporters, people who've been travelling to Stamford Bridge for, in some cases, for decades. So you have a situation where, where Wembley is not as easy for most people. They'd have to go into London or, or go roundabout way. And, and the same would apply for Stratford. So part of, I think, our thinking is if, if that happens and the, the capacity of Wembley is an extra 9,000, it's, I think it's the first two tiers of 50,600 compared with Stamford Bridge, 41,800, whatever. To incentivise people to make sure that as many people as possible renew season tickets, continue to, to go to games, I think they're going to have to be pretty clever around ticket pricing. Now, one idea that's occurred to us is that they work out the average cost of where well, the average location where Chelsea supporters live and what would be the return journey from there to Wembley on an Oyster card off peak and they reduce the, the current match ticket prices by at least that amount because I, I, I fear that if they continue to charge what they currently charge there will be a drop-off not for the the big games the Arsenal's the Man United's the Spurs the Liverpool but if you take as a, an example some of the and I won't be disrespectful here but some of the less attractive Premier League games and they happen to be played midweek I think there's going to be some pretty smart pricing to sell 50,000 uh, tickets. And if you imagine, say we got, no disrespect again, a, a championship club in the third round of the League Cup on a, a Wednesday night in November, how low would ticket prices have to be to well, sell those I mean, out? Because at the moment, we're selling cup ties out at Stamford. We sell every game out at Stamford. We do. And, and I, mean, I, I have a concern that when we move that may not be the case well i think i think there's a, i think that's a very important point tim and it'd be very interesting to know you know they're stuck between a rock and a hard place here a counter argument could be well hang on a minute you you don't mind going up to wembley when we're in semi-finals and finals and we do it a lot but i think actually you hit the nail on the head there that's one thing doing it on a on a tuesday or a wednesday or a monday night against you know crystal palace or whoever that will be very interesting and and surely you know, number one, they're going to have a greater capacity at Wembley because, as you say, the, uh, the they'll probably use the lower tier and the the ring of indifference, which is about fifty thousand. Yeah. So they will yeah. be in a position where they're having to sell more seats, um, and yet we all feel that there are a lot of people who might go. You know what? This is a natural cut-off time for me. Maybe I'll give up my season ticket. Uh, I can't afford the time or the money to get to Wembley. Etc. There are lots of reasons why they might find it hard to fill fifty thousand at Wembley, right? Yep. But that, the 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 joy then is that the challenge becomes an opportunity because what I believe they should do is have a significantly sized young people section. They would have the scope to do that when the design of Wembley, well, I think, would enable that to happen, which would also lift the atmosphere, which I think is a, is another concern. And I, I would I, I would hope that they'll do some pretty attractive ticket pricing. But you, you, you also get into logistical issues because I know people who clearly are not going to, if it was Wembley or even if it was Stratford, would not renew their season tickets because they would think that um, they would be able to pick up tickets for most games as, you know, as members. So what happens after three years when we go back to Stamford Bridge? Where are they on the pecking order? What about people who get... Say it was Stratford. We, we, we took out a season ticket at Stratford because it suited them. Didn't have one at Stamford Bridge. You then get into all these issues 
about priorities because there are going to be only a few hundred more season tickets at the redeveloped Stamford Bridge as it stands than, than there currently are. So I think that there are issues and, we, you know, we, we have written to the club on, on, on these issues, the, the issue around the, the season ticket sabbatical. And, you know, we, we want to continue the dialogue. I know it may not happen for 18 months. It may even be longer than that, I guess, if planning permission is, is delayed for whatever reason. But it, this, this does matter. It's, it's new because it's, it's big. Spurs is one season. And my reading, this is not based on inside knowledge, it's my reading is that they may well play their cup ties at Milton Keynes because of the, the possibilities of fixture congestion. I think they have to be pretty clever anyway, having two Premier League clubs playing at the, the same ground, but uh, we, we, we shall see. But I, 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 I just see this as an opportunity for the club to expand the fan base to a degree, but they need to be very clear about the priority in terms of season tickets and what have you when, when we move back. Now, they've got time to get this right, and we're very keen to, to have dialogue with them on this issue. But if they get it wrong, they're going to alienate a lot of existing supporters and, and store up problems, I think, for themselves when they do go back to Stamford Bridge. Tim, how long are we going to be away from the bridge? Do they, do we the, know? the theory is three or four years. I mean, the problem with construction projects is they never run more quickly. So I think it, it probably is three years. It, it, it could be four. No one's clear. I mean, if you talk to the... The people when we, we they had the exhibition in, in in the summer they they hoped for three years but there's a number of factors that can happen with um you know with construction look at the old jonathan you'll remember this the old east stand it was sort of about 18 months late and it cost twice as much as it should have done i'm not which, saying that will happen here they seem to be very the, very professional which crippled the club but, of course. you know it's it's not gonna sorry? we're not it crippled the club of course the the over yes it did no I mean, and, this and ruined, I think, ruined the big... football for the next five, five or six years. Yeah, it, effectively. it did. Until John Neal, until Dixon and Nevin and company Absolutely. came in. But I, not, I think this is a real... have... Hang on, one of you, please. We're not yeah. going okay. to. We're not going to have that problem with Abramovich, are we? No, no, we're not. But we do need to get it right. I think people, the club have been very clever. Well, not clever. They've been very sensible. Everyone accepts we're going to move temporarily. We're not going to redevelop a stand at a the time. They've got that message across. Not everyone will like it. And whatever of the three possibles is announced, there will be grumbling. But I think it's accepted. We have to do it to redevelop the ground. People wanted us to stay at Stamford Bridge. It looks like we are staying at Stamford Bridge. So, you know, it's short-term pain, long-term gain. So, so, Tim, I mean... Do you, I mean, do, do you think it's really going to be a problem? A, you know, a, a big drop off in in season ticket holders. And I and I tell you what lies behind this is that we we had a quite an interesting debate last week about uh, fall, falling out of love uh, with the game and 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 the fact that uh, you know I think generally speaking the club don't have a lot of time for a lot of our support and and they, I mean you know you and I talked about this Ron Gawley's infamous statement well you're the wrong sort of fans. And, and there is a danger that a, a lot might... I mean, I know a lot of people, for example, who after 1997 didn't come back because they thought, well, that's a really good way for me to go out. Yep. I also know a lot of people who did the same for 2012. I mean, this could be a bit of a, you know, a, you know an, an end game for a lot of people. And then they've got to sell uh, tickets back to people when we move into the new stadium. So it's, it's... I mean, how much of a danger do you think that is? I mean, do you get much of a feeling for that on the trust? Well, I mean, you can only anecdotally talking to people, but I, I am aware of people who've had season tickets for decades, who, as it stands, because they live quite a long way away and you know, either of the two likely locations are inconvenient for them, will probably not renew. 
what I think you'll also find is that the the tourist support it may some people will be attracted by going to Wembley, but Wembley High Road is not as glamorous as the Fulham Road or the King's yep, Road. But on the other hand, and this is kind of really what I'm getting at, which links in with what we were talking about last week, uh, the danger is that this could uh, hasten the decline in the traditional supporter base of yep. Chelsea, and then when we go back to Stamford Bridge, they will be replaced by the tourists because they're going to need Chelsea well, are going to need to fill that stadium. And it could be full yeah. of people who are even, even less likely to be watching the match because they'll be well, too the, busy the with trick, their phone, you know. This is the opportunity. You know, the average age of season to get holds at Chelsea is around 50. This is a real opportunity to have really attract young people, give them a section, give them a, a cheaper admission, encourage them to come and, and work out ways of getting them back into Stamford Bridge when we move. That's the challenge for the club, I think. I'm sure they know this. They know they have to get over a period of time have to get a younger, more vibrant supporter base. It will take time, but this is this is a real opportunity. It's a one-off, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But I mean, ar- arguably, in both places, I don't think it's just a question of Wembley. I think I think you're right. No, no, I, th- I think that's it's why I'm making. Yeah, it's a wonderful opportunity it to. It it's a one, on to both. It's a yeah. wonderful opportunity to to you know fill. Uh, Wembley with affordable tickets for youngsters get them you know because the fact of the matter (laughs) is is that where we sit at the moment it's impossible to do that because the stadium is populated with you know fat old men like me who won't bugger off you know so the the fact is is that if if we can actually hang on my my phone is ringing is it your mum Tim it's my mum phoning Tim I think oh right yeah but I mean, you know, it is a wonderful opportunity to to get kids into Wembley, which helps the club out, and then yeah. hopefully they've, you know, the bug has been bitten, and there'll be room to accommodate them if there is a drop off in season, the traditional season ticket holders. Yeah. I have no problem if they're replaced by the next generation of supporters coming in who will be there for the next 30, 40 years. I think Liverpool have, have done Liverpool have done well with that because the, all the, the the evidence of their ticketing policy came out with the with the the uh, the seventy seven pound tickets, didn't it? In actual fact, they're giving um, ten pound tickets to large numbers of uh, of youth, um, which is which is very very praiseworthy indeed, and uh, and should work. The dilemma is is you whether you get the the tourists to do do come in their droves, which I'm afraid I think the Chelsea hierarchy would rather like. Well, they would. Um, They've already uh, said it, haven't they, Jonathan? They have indeed. Because at, um, at Arsenal, my, my Guna pal is in despair yeah. over the uh, the ignorant people he sits with who um, treat it almost like a rock concert and just... Uh, Does he sit uh, next to Jack Wilshire, then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, we, we, we already get that at the bridge. I'm not sure who it was. I think it was it was John Fleming, actually, who was saying that he was surrounded by... No, it was Andy Saunders on, on, the, on the Chelsea podcast, actually, Jonathan. He was surrounded by... I mean, it doesn't... You know, he didn't mean anything rude by it, but basically a lot of, of overseas supporters who spent their whole the whole time taking photographs of each other and, and whipping them out on Facebook, and they hardly watched the game. I mean, what is the point of that? I really just don't get that, and... And, and I agree. Well, I agree with you, Jonathan. Is that we are on on the cusp here of something, and we could end up like the Emirates if we're not careful. So I think, Tim, I think the trust have well, got to do everything that they can to try and make sure that, that doesn't happen. Well, well, indeed. And I think, to be fair to Chelsea, the conversations we've had, yeah. they they can learn from what's from redevelopments at other you know grounds. Arsenal's one. Other clubs that have moved or have had major redevelopments. So there are 
role models that they might want to go with and role models that they don't. But I think in the new grounds, there are a number of issues. Obviously, there's the whole issue about ticket pricing. There's all the stuff about safe standing, which may, by the time we go there, that may be uh, acceptable. I think there's also an issue for me, and it's interesting the more you think about this one, you go to Wembley and you can walk around half the ground inside. So you can, if you're with your mates, you may not be sitting with them, but you can drink with them. Stamford Bridge, if you're in the Matthew Harding Upper, your friends are in the shed lower or in the east, you can't drink together before the game. So people don't drink together in the ground. The club wants to sell more beer and more food, but the current layout, the current structure does not allow that to happen. And I think with the pubs closing and more and more people, and this is anecdotal again, but it clearly is happening, people drinking in Putney, there's people drinking right up near Sloan Square, there's people drinking in, in West Kensington. If the club wants to get people in the ground early and, and, and stop massive crowd congestion on, on the Fulham Road, they're really going to have to be pretty clever around A, the design of the ground to allow people to drink together, and B, the offering in the ground so that, so that it makes it attractive. Because I think there are, having been to grounds and sort of the games, and Jonathan will be the same in the 60s when there were 63,000 there, the Fulham Road was chaos before and after the game. So I think they need to try and, and attract people in and obviously they make more money if they do that if they have the right offering then that will happen well i think i think i think you've hit the hit the nail on the head with that tim because i think one of the biggest fears i mean you know again funnily enough this links back to what we were talking about last week which you know i readily, readily admitted that you know I, I have always gone to chelsea because of the before and the after and it's really about getting together with like-minded mates and having a few beers and of course, when we move away for three years, there's a very good chance that the acceleration of the demise of the local pub in Chelsea is, is, is going to be terminal. So there's a very like real, real possibility that when we come back, there just won't be the pubs to drink in. So actually, it, it's a dual thing here. I think if they want to make more money and they want to, you know, get around the issues with egress and, and, and so on, they need to be able to provide a much better facility for supporters to drink before and after at the stadium and as you rightly said tim that will only work if we can drink with our mates it's point i mean this is why none of us go in there i mean i I get in there with one minute to go you know Uh, i don't want to drink in there because i can't drink with my mates you know it's just stupid so they have to do that i think it needs to be slightly more attractive uh in the bridge rather than the the wembley concourse which does achieve i agree achieve what you want but but it it need they need to have sort of lounges i think like as if you're in a pub it needs to be very cleverly worked well, out they should they but should do I, what I they do should find, do what the brentford do you know we should have a pub on each corner a proper pub on each corner <laughs> but licensed to chelsea but make it pubs yeah, not yeah, yeah, that's a good the idea trick they need is after games because the sim again the sim, i know people can walk straight into the tube but it's still going to be very very busy do what brighton do show games on big screens in the bars after the game and encourage people to stay for half an hour 45 minutes i think they may you know i suspect they may look at that type of thing but again it has to be attractive if, if it's a as john as Jonathan said if it's a sterile environment people will go down the path uh, tim, but if tim. they if they make it attractive and comfortable and well priced and decent choice then people are much more likely to stay tim, around how, how how are the trusts going to you know help make this happen because i mean okay that, there's no divine you know, there's no divine right that we have to, to, to force them to do anything. I, I know that. Oh. But we have some influence. What's the best way for us to, to get that influence across? Well, we, we have meetings 
with the club and all of them the the issues around the stadium the the temporary stadium and Chelsea Pitch owners will come up I think I don't want to preempt what goes in our summer survey but I think you can yeah. guess that some of this stuff's going to come up. We we do have an annual meeting with our annual meeting with them is specifically on the survey, but you know we 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 have written to them on this. I I've done some more thinking. Others have done some more thinking. Been having discussions. I think the time is right to, to, for some more detailed thinking on this. But I think you know with the best will in the world, I don't think the fans forum is is necessarily the right place for detailed discussion. Of, of this kind, I'm not not being disrespectful to anybody, but it's just the structure of that meeting makes that difficult to do. But you know, we, we have done some thinking on this. We will do some more. We do ask our members what they think. We have meetings. We we have the survey. Um, we do respond to emails and to tweets and what have you. Our position, I think, is becoming clearer. Obviously, once the club as the club make more announcements, you tailor the, tailor it. But I think they know they have to get this right. I think they know that we are doing work on this and we'll continue to do work. And you can't guarantee anything with, with, with dialogue with, with, with football clubs, but I would hope that we can have a continued dialogue with them and they will take on board sort of the key points that we make. Um, I'm just, I mean, it sounds to me actually that, you know, doing perhaps, I mean, also the, the supporters trust surveys, I think actually do very, very well. And obviously as I'm, I'm on the trust, I know that the club take them very, very seriously. So it sounds to me like a specific survey on both the temporary ground and yeah. the new ground, either together or at separate points, might actually be the way to get the club to take to you know to listen to what we have to say. Look, we're gonna yeah. I'm gonna move this on, Tim, because there is something that kind of bubbles around underneath this, which is also equally important, and that's the Chelsea pitch owners, because of course I think a lot a lot of our listeners may know already that um, Chelsea will have to ask the CPO for permission to play at a temporary stadium because of course we own the uh, the support uh, the CPO own the name Chelsea don't they they do and they you know they own the they own the freehold to the ground now you know jo- Jonathan I know is, is is a CPO shareholder I think Ross is I think too, Ross I think. Is Ross as well I yeah. yeah I was at the um the AGM recently um there was 150 people there it was more than more than I thought what was clear is that the people there, and I'm not saying they're totally representative of the shareholders, but clearly they're indicative, were absolutely unequivocal that they want the CPO to remain when Stamford Bridge is redeveloped. They see it as a as a safeguard that we have. It's unique. No other um, club in the Premier League or Football League has this safeguard. And you know, if the club wants to buy the freehold back, they have to get 75% of uh, Chelsea pitch owners who vote to vote in favour of them getting it back. It's not clear they'll do that. They, they're very unlikely to do it until after the uh, planning permission is granted. They may never do it. They may be happy with the structure as it is. But it's obviously a concern to a number of, uh, of shareholders. I think the CPO board, with you know, Charles Rose is the chair, and he did an excellent job at the... Uh, the AGM of, uh, of of getting all sides of the argument, giving everyone a voice who wanted a voice. I think they'll be, I would imagine, they'll be talking to the the, the owner and the club about their intentions, and we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But for me, Chelsea pitch owners, it's, it's a safeguard. And people say, oh, you must trust the owner, you must trust Roman. But the fact is, Chelsea pitch owners, the, it was designed by Ken Bates. A lot of people criticise Ken Bates, but the fact is, he did it, so it'd be in perpetuity. 
So I've got a share which I can hand over to my son or my daughter and they can hand over to their children. And to me, just because Chelsea are talking about redeveloping Stamford Bridge doesn't change the fundamental fact that Chelsea pitch owners own it and they own or they own the freehold and they own the name Chelsea Football Club. And I can see no reason why that shouldn't remain. No, quite. As I say, nothing may happen. Do we, Nobody do we, knows. We don't know what the club feel about that yet, do we? No, we, we don't. And they, they're not they're not saying, and I think, you know, it's this is so such a fundamental issue. I mean, to be honest, a lot of this, there hasn't really been much press on this, but most of the stuff in the press about what the owner thinks, I think is, is to be frank, made up. Because yeah. I don't think he always, um, the, the higher echelons of the club, do press briefings. Certainly on this, they're playing their cards pretty close to the chest. But, you know, without wishing to bang the gong too hard, you know, they got a bit of a bloody nose in uh, 2011, and I can't see they're going to want another one, you know, 20, 2016, 2017, whenever. So we'll have to see what happens. But in our um, survey last year, 93% of trust members who voted supported the principle of the CPO remaining regardless of, uh, of the redevelopment. And I think it will just be very interesting what, what happens. But I think from, from my point of view, I think from the trust board's point of view, from our membership's point of view, and clearly from other, other groups, other organisations, other shareholders who were at the meeting, they're pretty clear what their position would be in the event of the club coming in and say they wanted to, uh, to, to buy the freehold. Good stuff. Um, just, just a, can I, can I yeah, just sorry, go on, point. Ross, please do. I mean, the, 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 I think everyone at Chelsea Football Football Club is is grateful to to Roman Abramovich for for what he's for what he's done for the club over the last ten years and more, um, and and I don't think anyone would want to disrespect him or question his motives or or anything or anything like that. But the point about Chelsea pitch owners and you know the redevelopment of the ground and 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 what Stamford Bridge means and and whose hands it should be in is that. Roman's not going to be around for for fifty years. His his kids who take it over might not be around for much, you know, in, a, in an ownership capacity for much longer. We, I'm I'm sure if you spoke to people in the 1960s, the Mears family had been in charge at Chelsea for for sixty years, going on seventy years, and and look, unfortunately, what ended up happening to them and the club after that. And I think I think people have to realise that just because we're fortunate to have a a great owner and. Um, at the moment doesn't necessarily mean that that having CPO in in fifty hundred years time isn't won't be just as necessary as it as it has been in the last twenty years. Mm. Jonathan, what have you got to say on that? I think Ross uh, summed it up rather admirably mm. there. Actually, I think it's absolutely correct. I think the the uh, the pitch owners is, is a is a wonderful scheme, and as as you say, Tim. Uh, um, he has to be uh, Bates has to be praised for that, uh, despite everybody thinking he was a crook. Um, and he was trying to get the most he could out of the club. Um, there were certain things he did that were were uh, were, were, were fantastic. Even the, the fifty million pound uh, bond that he set up to buy all the players. But I think the CPO is his is his uh, is his lasting legacy. And I think that that it's uh, um, it, it's 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 unique and essential because you just don't know what's going to happen in the future. And the the area is prime um, it's prime estate, isn't it? It's. Uh, it's every any any builder would want to build on that instantly for huge rewards. So um, my my worry is 
that the club will will issue an ultimatum to the CPO saying, well, if you don't give us this, we'll never we'll never build anything, because the way that they handled it in 2011 was completely inept. And I hope that they had their fingers burnt so sufficiently that they realise that it has to be treated um, on a on a, a very equal basis. It's a real difficult. Mean, I tell you what's the, the the big difficulty with that, and and I I think that that's not be on the realms of possibility at all Jonathan I mean my instant reaction would be well well, don't build a new stadium I don't care I like the current stadium and I like going here and I always will of course their retort to that would be well then you can just wave bye bye to any future success because we're not going to be able to compete financially with everybody else so it's an awful catch-22 isn't it well it depends by then whether whether uh, Roman is 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 keen to uh, to have the club competing he could always bankroll again um um, which is what uh, uh, City are doing, is just uh, pouring huge, and what PSG have done to an extent. It's a question of how he wants the club to be taken forward. I think from previous experience, we we I think one of the reasons we've got into the state we did this season is because of Roman's desire to use the youth. So, and he isn't willing to bankroll the club. So, uh, but if he needs to shift, he may do. I don't know. It's 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 unknown, isn't it? What's going to take place? Here. Bottom line is, if you want to protect the future. Uh, of, of football at Stamford Bridge and, and Chelsea, not just for the next few years, but in perpetuity, then the thing to do is to buy a CPO share because the whole CPO process, that's exactly what it was set up to do. And and, and I think as Ross and, and the chaps were saying, you know, this, this isn't about not trusting Roman. I think everybody trusts Roman. If you look at the money he spent and what he's done for the club, then of course you trust him. But the future is unwritten anything can happen and if anything can happen it probably will so why give away this unique protection that we have as, as supporters it would be insane but the cpo has been misinterpreted though as, as doing exactly that as being somebody not trusting oh, roman i've seen many many forums where people have said well, you're all idiots all you cpo people roman is never gonna is never gonna run away and they're missing the point entirely that as you say ross it's completely it's post-roman it's it's when he's no longer with us in, in 50 years time it, it, it may be a completely different atmosphere all, all roman empire emp- empires crumble it has been proven historically it has indeed been and anyway on that uh, salient note um, I'm just going to give a quick plug for the trust I mean I, I, I you know it, it's a bit like slapping my own back by sitting here saying Tim does a wonderful job and we actually all, all Chelsea supporters owe him a huge and the board a huge amount of gratitude for the work that they put in on our behalf but uh, that said uh, here's my usual plug which I've moved up into part three but uh, you can join the trust get your voice heard by the club uh, by paying five pounds to become a voting member it's free if you want to be a non-voting member, but you just sign up at chelseasupporterstrust.com and that means you can attend the meetings, you can come to any of the events that we do and you can vote on the issues that directly affect you. And of course, as Tim said, it means you can take part in the uh, in the wonderful surveys that we do and the lovely CFC Unofficial Debs, who is on the board, has put up a link to that website where you can join up. So do that and of course you can follow them uh, on Twitter at Trust. And, you know, you know who we are, at least I hope you do. We're all pretty approachable. We're pretty easy to find on Twitter and social media and so forth. And if you've ever got any questions uh, about about the trust or, or, you know, any issues, uh, bring them to us and we'll hopefully sort them out. Isn't that right, Tim? Uh, Absolutely. And I I think I'd also plug the... We're we're also on Facebook. I think, you know, it's a challenge because the key, there are big issues we have, and we've talked about the, 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 the biggest ones around the stadium and around CPO. But there are also ongoing issues. We've had reports of 
people who had problems in, in Paris, we can take those up with the club or with UEFA. As issues come up, if members have issues, they can raise them at meetings. We do surveys. So what we do is dependent on what our members want us to do. They identify the priorities for the season and the board sit down and work out the best way to deliver on those. So it isn't just the, the board deciding what we do. It's actually driven by the membership. We're accountable to the membership. They don't like what we do. They can vote us out. Yeah. So, you know, that it's a, it's a transparent, democratic organisation. And that, that basically is, 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 is it in a nutshell. I would encourage people to join us, to follow us on social media, and to, you know, just get involved in, in what we do. We, we do have the ear of, of the club. I'm not saying we can influence everything we necessarily want to, but we do we do have the ear of the club and we, we want to continue to build that relationship and have a structured dialogue with them, not sort of snapping away at individual sort of not, not low rent issues, but smaller issues. But it's the, what really gets me going is, is the big issues around the stadium, around the temporary stadium, around Chelsea pitch owners, around ticket pricing, because these are the things that will fundamentally affect us in the in the months and years ahead. Excellent stuff, Tim. Um, that's brilliant. Well, yeah, oh, blimey. Round of applause. Round of applause, even. How amazing. Clap on the back for you as well, Chidge, because uh, you're both... Yeah, absolutely. And you both it's not do just me. And Ross. It's the whole board. Ross has been involved for, since our inception, so, uh, yep. yeah. So the, the Trust is a, is a completely brilliant uh, organisation. And Debs, well, of course, who's in the Mixler chat room as well, but no, it's... it's bravo! Bravo! bravo All right. Uh, right. <laughs> After the break, uh, we're going to have the usual round of Chelsea Supporters News, and I can reveal exclusively that Jonathan Kidd will be earning his corn tonight because he's got two cracking emails to read. We'll be back with you after a short break. Oh, my God. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast with the uh, wonderful Ross Mooring and the lovely Jonathan Kidd and the and the world wise and knowledgeable chairman of the Supporters Trust, Mr. Tim Rolls. He, he's an owl. He is, he's an owl. He's so he is, wise. He is. <laughs> he's just fallen off it. He, he's fallen off his perch by the sounds of it. Um, anyway, um, as jo Jonathan reminded me actually during the break, and I'm, I'm sure Tim will appreciate this too, but uh, yes, uh, we, we need to get people to go out and buy shares in the CPO, isn't that right? And they still can, can't they, Jonathan? Uh, apparently so. Uh, yeah, t Tim, yes, they, they can, can buy shares, can't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yes, I, I was encouraged. I got an email the other day encouraging me to buy some shares. Um, and I've, I know, and I've, I've got me one. Um, but no, uh, the, but the, uh, um, my worry is that... Um, uh, if the if the club is being devious, and I hope they're not, they might just buy um, large numbers of shares as they attempted to do. They've done before yeah. um, to 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 swap, allegedly, allegedly, absolutely, uh, completely allegedly, um, to uh, thanks, to enable to, t to take over <laughs> to take. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, sorry about that. To take over the uh, uh, to to take over the voting process, so they'd have more votes than anybody Carpet else. Carpet bagging, That's, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's exactly well done. Yeah. Yes, to to take a, a phrase from the from nineteenth century America. And also, uh, that Debs is absolutely on fire tonight. She's actually just put up for anybody listening in Mitzler and who's in the chat room. Debs has put up the link to the Chelsea pitch owners on the Chelsea FC website, which is where you can go and buy the share. 
and I think they're about a, they're a hundred quid each, aren't they, Tim? But yeah. you can pay in instalments. They are, but there's a you can you can pay in instalments. Yeah. All, all the information given is there. I think there's also a scheme where you can pay a premium and get your share given to you on the pitch. But it's all explained, yeah. I think, at, at that link. Well, well, you, you can you can reach it by by typing in ChelseaPitchOwners.com. That will take you to the pitch owners website, which is um, on the official website as well. So all you have to do is type in ChelseaPitchOwners.com and it will take you straight there. And they're open to everybody, whether they're in London, the UK, whatever. Because Zuriel, my yep. mate Zuriel Nj, uh, has just said on the mixer chat room that he's bought one. And as, I, as I recall, Zuriel, you're based in Toronto, aren't you? So uh, good on you, mate. Right. Um, actually, before we get into the emails, I just wanted, a, wanted your comment on this, Tim. I, I hope you don't mind me throwing this at you because uh, I didn't warn you about this at all. But um, have you got a view on the on the coin throwing or the alleged coin throwing? Because I don't know if anybody's kind of... I mean, I know a lighter was thrown onto the pitch at the at the Man City players yesterday. Possibly coins as well. I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, the, anyone who does it must realise they're very likely to get caught because there are so many CCTV cameras. The club know who bought each, each individual seat. So it, it's, it's a pretty daft thing to do. And, uh, you know... I think due, pro due process will be followed, and it's just a great shame that this sort of thing, this sort of thing happens. I'm sure the people who did it now regret it, but the fact is, whereas a generation ago you might have got away with it, it's very hard to see now how that's going to happen. Yeah, and I mean, I think that they were inspired. I'm afraid by the West Bromwich yeah. situation. Yes, yeah. I really think that that they are. There occasionally you get really stupid people like that who will yep. see something happening and think, "Oh, I'll have a go at doing that." I mean, not taking anything away from the situation. The Man City players did make a very big point of going into the Chel into the corner there by the Chelsea fans, having already gone up the field. Zabaleta beckoned them back into the corner to do their celebration. But you know, there's nothing wrong with giving them a bit of abuse. But throwing coins is just absolutely well. I mean, as, as the West Brom fans proved, I mean, you, you could take somebody's eye out with that. So it's it's no laughing matter. Yeah. But that aside. You know, obviously none of us here on the fan cast, and I'm sure on the Sports Trust, would condone that kind of behaviour. But apart appalling. from all of that, it's just beyond stupid. You know, yeah. you're going to get caught. As, as as Jonathan said, you're dead right, and I've heard this from the club firsthand. They can pinpoint anybody in any seat in that ground, hmm. and you're well, going to get hopefully caught. Hopefully, they won't. Hopefully, they won't pinpoint me because I, I was sat right in that corner and I could see people going. You know, getting really, really angry. Um, and as you, as you say, it, it just beg, it does beg a belief. I mean, you, you, you never really like opposition players coming and celebrating in front of you just because what you know what's what's the point in doing it. But at the same extent, you know, we we do give the opposition stick throughout the game and and just coming over and and celebrating in our area. It's not it's not a very clever thing to do, but it it doesn't deserve having something it thrown at you. Deserve metal being thrown at you. Exactly. Now Ross, you made make sure you didn't do any kind of fake throwing action by mistake, did you? No, I think I, I think I just pulled the face because because it was such a disappointing goal to concede. Ross, Ross, Ross gurned. It's far more frightening. <laughs> if you're doing your Usain Bolt impression, it might look as if you were throwing something. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, I'm glad we mentioned that because I completely forgot to mention that earlier, and I didn't want to be accused of brushing it under the carpet uh, or coining it in. Boom, boom. Um, anyway, um, we're. <laughs> It's time for some... Point, point made from that earlier. From that yeah, earlier I agree absolutely about your jokes, Chidge. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I keep trying in, in, the, in the eternal hope that one day, uh, you know, one, well, somebody on the show with me will laugh. 
Uh, boom boom oh, was good. Though, you might, you boom, might boom. be waiting a long time. Thank you. Anyway, good luck well, with that when one. I listened back to the show, I laughed doubly hard just to make up for it. <laughs> right, Jonathan, we got we got. <laughs> you put, did you put a laugh? I'm going to in? actually just to piss you lot off. I'm going to go in online and find a, uh, some canned laughter, and I'm just going to chuck it in there because it's really you know I don't I don't deserve this kind of shithousery, so I'm going to do it anyway. Chidge, uh, <laughs> if, if you want, I'll do you some voices. I'll go. I love you, Chidge. Yeah, we love you, we'll Chidge. The, the Chidge killer chicks or something. Uh, featuring yeah. Jonathan we Kidd. We love you, Chidge. There we go. That's more like it. Um, yeah. All right. Listen, uh, we've got a couple of cracking emails, Jonathan. I'm eating into your time here, and I'm amazed you haven't noticed yet. So off you go. I can I can do it quickly, Chidge. No, no, no. Go on. I'm not eating. No, I am eating into your time. We are not eating into time per se. Okay. Good day. <laughs> we started. Um, no, I'm just saying I could even eat into my own time by going more quickly. No, re read them in the wonderful, brilliant way that you normally do. I'm listening to the fancast again. Sorry, that's the wrong voice, isn't it? Yeah. Good day, men. I'm listening to the fancast a day late, but as I'm listening, I try to jot down comments, thoughts, and notes. Also, have to say, you guys need to do two shows a week. It's that good. Typical American attitude, though. If something's good, gotta have more and more and more. <laughs> Onward. That wasn't me laughing. That's written down. Laughter. Onward. The conversation of falling in and out of love with Chelsea or modern football was extremely fascinating. Being relatively new to Chelsea, only about 13 years deep into my CFC love affair, it's hard for me to understand your guys' views, most likely because I can't compare today's game to how it was played in the 80s, for example. I know I mentioned before I'm from Philly in a past email whether the laundry of your team is what matters. We don't care for players from here or there or where you may have played before, as long as when you put our jersey on, you embody the attitude of our city. Hard-nosed, blue-collar, blue-collar, I should say, tough. A very close second priority is winning. Which brings me to my point. Would you guys prefer to rid yourselves of the mercenaries and promote and progress the club through the academy, which may take years and years, and more losing than we may be accustomed to until we have a competitive squad? Or continue on the current path Chelsea is heading, paying high wages and players that are chasing checks? Scott Brandt, Blues for Life. P.S. Thanks for referring me to the Philly Blues last email, which I did get in contact with and found the Chelsea Home Pub here in Philly. Cheers, guys. Excellent stuff. Jonathan, I'm going to make a suggestion, and that is that you read the second email, because the second email kind of answers the first email, weirdly. I will. Hello, church. No, sorry. Uh, That's actually a very good imperson impersonation of Bobby D, funnily enough, spookily enough. Oh, so he's a bit like no, that, he Bobby's a decent lad. Okay. He's a decent lad. Okay, probably. Wasn't, um, wasn't that Spike Milligan doing his he fall in the water? Sorry, I didn't get the voice right, what, what, but it was it was a Spike Milligan. What for the teenagers, it's, Tim? It's falling in the water. Hello, Chidge. Hello, Chidge. Hello. First Hello, Chidge. No, it's not meeting. No, it's you. Um Hello, Chidge. Firstly, I have to apologise. It's been some time since I've said hello. The last podcast left me with a need to share my thoughts on Chelsea. Previously, you've commented about what it is to be a Chelsea fan, and these are my thoughts. I moved to Australia in 2001. I used to stand in the shed and cheer Pat Nevin, Canners, Vinnie Jones and Tony Cascarino. Ooh. I moved to Australia, Australia just before Roman bought the club, before we won the title or Champions League but I feel extremely privileged to have grown up in an era that taught me what it means to be blue. I went to Chelsea in a time where winning was unknown and seeing Peter Rhodes-Brown score two goals in the cup against Liverpool was the highlight of the season. And more importantly, going to Chelsea, catching up with friends and having a laugh was the most important thing. I give you a scenario that many listeners will not remember or be able to comprehend, 
March the 31st, 1986. Queen's Park Rangers 5, Chelsea nil. I was there. Standing in the away end singing, we want six. It was a game we lost 6-0. We got our wish and we cheered their last goal. That's what being a Chelsea fan was about. Having a laugh, singing a song and oh, what was the score? So people be warned, do not turn into, into being a scouser and live for titles past. Do not be a gooner and think we have a right to win things every season. Never lose our identity amongst all the corporate hype like all the other clubs have. We are Chelsea, Royal Blue and the pensioners. So if someone wants to learn what it means to be a Chelsea fan, save up your pennies, get on a train and go away from home. Be prepared to sing for 90 minutes and never leave before the end. Oh, and sing them all because we can. Up the Chelsea and take care. Rob Delcini, a.k.a. Bobby D. You see, you see what I mean about uh, that email kind of answers the first one really, really well, I think, doesn't it, Jonathan? Yes, yes. It's, um, it, it's, it's, it, it's the whole process of, of, of loving the club and being a part of, 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 the, of the day away or the day at the bridge or the day with your mates, as we've talked yeah. about before, yeah. that makes makes the club, makes our club what it is, and the joy of 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 of, of watching the team. The the dilemma is to answer the first one is that um, it, it's not going to happen. It's it's never going to happen that we go down into the championship and play with uh, a team of youth because that's not in the in the, the in the in the club's um, business plan. I'm afraid they've got too many. Um, shirts to sell in um in china and uh it, it's just they they won't take that risk so um this whole process of giving the youth a go which uh, clearly abramovich is keen to do um causes causes problems and it needs a very delicate balance to make it work because i i i love our team winning winning trophies but i want at the same time to do it i want both worlds mm. i want to have you, players coming in, I want another John Terry. I want more people from the youth that, that we can say is one of our own. But I also want to be up there. I thought it very relevant that uh, that Goose said uh, when he looked at the PSG uh, bench, he said, it's a world-class bench and we don't have that at Chelsea at the moment. And if you're going to try and put the youth in, I'm afraid um, the, the team is going to underperform and you'll start going down the divisions. It's a very delicate balance. Well said, Mr. Kid. Well said. I mean, I, I think we, we, we kind of did it uh, pretty well, you know, last week. And, and I, I I think I came out with two points, really. One was that, you know, and I was reminded, actually, because that, that, that Saturday watching us beat Newcastle when, or was it Sunday? I can't remember. Anyway, the bottom line was I spent such a great day in the pub before and the after and met so many great friends. Had such a great... It kind of reminded me and reinforced why I go the football has always been incidental although I love watching Chelsea win and particularly winning trophies um, but I think the other thing actually that Bobby makes a really good point about you know and we, we talked about this earlier about the stadium Tim about not wanting it to become corporatized, sanitized, and full of people who don't have the same passion for it that we do and and I always link that back in with that 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 quote that Gourlay said about being the wrong sort of fans rather than saying I give up I, the, you know, I can't sit here like King Canute against this tide of corporatism and sanitization and being overwhelmed by tourists. My view is actually, you know, like my cold dead hand on my cold rifle, I will not relinquish my season ticket until I pop my clogs if I can afford it, because I would rather stay there as an irritant to the club to remind them of what real supporters <laughs> are about. Tim? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think, you know, the, the plans for the new ground, it's clear that certainly at the sides, there will be a lot of corporate seats. But to be honest, and it's, I don't like it, but it's, it's, a, it's a fact of life, the way football is, that they need that money to, to be able to compete. And if, 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 if you like, the corporates can be made, set it up so that they almost subsidise the young fans who, can, who, who can't afford to go and are currently excluded and frozen out of the game. And also, you know, long-term long old-school fans who are just frozen out simply can't afford to go. Then, then maybe that's sort of acceptable. And that's that around, around the design of the yeah. ground. Tim, Tim I'm, I'm in, have... in corporatisation in the broadest sense of the word. I mean, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. like, like but, you, ha- like you, you have with the Emirates, have... for example. Yeah, no, I mean, the Emirates have got it wrong. I think you really have to be very careful that you don't have too many people coming who don't have the passion for the club because what they got spectacularly wrong at Liverpool is that they sell a lot of tickets for the COP to tourists on the basis of experience the atmosphere in the COP to the extent that there is now very little atmosphere from the COP (laughs) because it's got so many people in there experiencing it rather than participating and that should be an object lesson to all football clubs. Yeah, this is this is something that, that Graham, bless him, or, or the, the guy who, who's in charge of the ticketing at Chelsea, always says about Wembley, which is always seen as a prime opportunity for us to go and you know sit together and all make a noise together. And 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 you know where he said that whenever we have like atmosphere sections at Wembley for finals and things, the first people that apply and want to sit there are the people who want to sit there and be in the atmosphere, but actually yeah. never contribute to it. So it's really difficult, yeah. isn't it? Anyway, look, we 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 should. Oh, Ross, I haven't asked you what you thought of all of that very rudely, Ross. Uh, yeah, well, I just want to say good good job Scott's got Chelsea in his life because being from Philadelphia, <laughs> there's there's not much winning going on from their from their sports. I don't teams. know. W W C Fields said I'd rather be in Philadelphia. Yeah, well, good, very good sports town indeed. Uh, they they've got some great great supporters and the the teams do play hard. That's true, and and I, and I think that's that's really why I go to Chelsea. Yeah. I I. I, you know, I, it's it's so strange. The first half of my life was spent watching uh, Chelsea teams sort of scrape scrape by and, and occasionally have a good cup run, and then suddenly that turned into winning a, a, a trophy every every couple of years. And now and now it's uh, and now it's all about league titles and Champions League. So I've experienced the whole the whole gamut of following following Chelsea and in a sort of very twenty short twenty year twenty great. year period. And I'm I'm perfectly happy to to, to see. Um, any team turn up, whether whether we're, we're in the second division or we're in the Champions League final, as long as they give it their all up, I'm happy to I'm happy to see that. And as a result, I'd I'd love us for, for us to give the youth a chance, and I think it is possible to to kind of blend them in as as Ferguson did, as um, as Jonathan said, that's that's a difficult thing. But ultimately, I'd I'd, I'd rather have a, a team to cheer for than than necessarily see see players who who are going to come and go. Try try and earn the, the most amount of money and 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 watch that sort of football, and and the, the you know at the at the end of the day you, you you get what you pay for, but ultimately I I I just want to see my my players try hard and and um and hang out with my friends as you said. Yeah. Chief. Anyway, that's a brilliant point actually, Ross, and, and, and a different spin on it slightly, which is good. And um, one thing, Jonathan and uh, and Tim, were you at the uh, the defeat to QPR in uh, 1986? Yes. No. Tim, I sadly, well, sadly, well, I wasn't as it happened. I wasn't doing many away games in the mid '80s, yeah. but uh, yeah, it, it scarred a lot of people who were there. <laughs> Jonathan, you were there. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, were, you, were you cheering for "We Want Six, We Want Six? 
No, I was not singing then either. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm afraid. I, I think I'm afraid. I, it was a period of my life where uh, I may have left. Uh, <laughs> you awful man, you. <laughs> I know. Whereas, whereas now I would not dare ever to leave. I don't. I couldn't. I think when the when the fourth girl went in, I. Uh, I ducked away, okay. I think, sadly. Well, Can I just make one point before we go? Um, uh, interestingly, where I sit, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to admit it, it's, it's corporate and hospitality, it, it never was originally till Bates made it yeah. so, um, has actually, it's a fantastic little area, and it's the same group of supporters haven't left. So we're not, nobody is hospitality at all. We're just all supporters. And uh, we all get there early, and and we know each other and we chat and we stay after yeah. and the televisions are on and they've made it a very good little area like a lounge and i don't see why they shouldn't be able to to, to make to attempt to do that rather than as we've talked about these huge impersonal concourses yeah. if they can create and even as you say absolutely rightly they've got it wrong at um, the emirates they've got these vast areas of where you have to go and pay for your fish and chips and it's not great grub and it's uh, um and it's quite an expensive seat, whereas this makes it more personal. And if there was a way of actually managing to achieve that for not making it corporate, just making it cheaper, I think you'd have more people interested. I mean, what you said, almost having the pub. Well, I think that, that's, um, that's, that's the way to do it, isn't it? I, you, is, is the way to exactly. do it. But if you can do that within the ground, within the ground itself as well, your quid's in because it's. It, I find it very difficult, although although I, I, I love all you lot and occasionally I'll come to the Fimbra or wherever, not to go there because... That's that's where all the mates are that I've been yeah. watching the oh, game and I, I, for the last I, I, 25 years. I get that. To be honest, there's a few people I know collectively in Gate 17, so it's not as though I don't have any mates there. But you, I think I think the point that Tim made was, was spot on. Very quickly, uh, actually, because I, I saw Alan May score, so we lost 4-0 home to West Ham a couple of days earlier too. Painful Easter, that one. It was, and actually, I mean, I wasn't there, but of course most people will be aware of the fact that Chelsea were in with a slight sniff of, of getting near the title that year and comprehensively blew it over that weekend. Yep. And if you want to read more about that, if you were too young, uh, then I, I commend to you Kelvin Barker's what should be called the Bible of Chelsea in the 80s, but is in fact called Celery representing Chelsea in the 80s. Buy that book and it goes into that in, in great detail. But we were contenders that year, and then Eddie Eddie Nijveki got injured, and then it went tits up spectacularly that weekend, didn't it? I saw Alan May score, and on that note, we should move on because we've got to go. Right, uh, thank you boys for all of that. Now, um, CFC UK, you can get the uh, CFC UK at home games from the CFC UK stall opposite Fulham Broadway Tube, and of course also at away games. Uh, oh my God, there's a is there a deadline this week, Tim, or is it the week after? It's this week, isn't it? Sorry, for what? CFC Sorry. UK. Oh, yes, yeah, the deadline is this Friday. Yes, yes. I better get, get them on organised. Tim and I both write for the CFC UK. Uh, <laughs> as Tim will tell you, I always read my articles first. As Tim will, you do, as yes. Tim will, Hilarious. As Tim will yeah. deny telling everybody else, he also reads his first two. I know this for a fact because somebody grasped, grasped him up to me. So there you go. He'll deny it now. Wait. But anyway, it's brilliant. Go and get it. Uh, if you can't get it physically at Chelsea, then you can get it if you're in the States, for example, by uh, subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the US, just follow the Twitter account at cfcukusa or uh, get hold of Dan Lundberg, who looks after it. And he's at at dlundberg underscore. Righty-ho. I have had a lot of fun tonight. It's been good, good, good show. Really enjoyed it. Um, Tim, uh, have you enjoyed the show? Very much. Yeah, it's always 
always good to come on and good to to chat to you and had some messages to get over which hopefully i've got over so no i've enjoyed it wise words we are we are we are feeling much better informed as a result jonathan brilliant to have you on as always better late than never i think Sorry about the beginning, but I've learnt my lesson. No, well, it's technology, mate. And sh- I mean, what you may not know, because you missed all of this, is that I only got Mixler working about five to seven. So we wouldn't, we almost couldn't do it live. So, But I think this is a lesson to us all that we need to kind of get in there a bit earlier just to make sure that it all works. But uh, Jonathan, uh, we, we wouldn't have been the same without you. So I'm so delighted that you managed to join us in the end. Thank you very much. Very enjoyable. And uh, Ross Mooring, lovely having Ross on the show, as always. Yeah, Great to be on. Um, a couple of cracking emails at they the were, end. There, you know, hello to Bobby D again. Yeah, but, well, hope he's hope he's keeping well. I think he's coming over in August, isn't he? Ooh, well, maybe that was last that. August. And I, 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 I don't know. They all meld into one. But I do love seeing Bobby D. And uh, the sooner he comes back to see us, the better. Because for one thing, I always get very drunk when Bobby D is in town. And uh, mm. that's always fun. Right, okay, enough of my prattle. But you get very drunk when he's not in town, Chip. Well, that's so, true. You know. That's true. Um, and mind <laughs> you, I, I, I wasn't there uh, yesterday, but I do believe my uh, the rep rates that I quite often wander off and see in the Rose pub afterwards absolutely hammered it uh, last night. I saw a certain tweet from a certain CFC away uh, who was complaining of a hangover most of the day, I believe. But there you go. So I'm, 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 I was sorry to have missed that as I was to have missed the game, of course. But there you go. Right, uh, I will be back next Monday, the tw- uh, 29th of February, which is, of course, it's leap year, isn't it? So it's a day that doesn't technically exist, or only once every four years, so we'll have to note that somehow. Uh, but we'll be looking back at the game against Southampton, uh, something, of an aw- something of an away match at home for me. And I will be going, Tim. You'll be there, won't you? I will. So, you play. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Uh, we'll have a few ales there. Uh, Jonathan, you going? No I haven't got a ticket as yet, Chich. No. Well, you know, you could always hang around Debenhams looking in their underwear department. Yeah, I'm good at you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's done it before, Ross. I'm not making that up. It's for real. Um, so, yeah, we'll be talking about the Southampton game. Should be fun. And I will be... That was a Chidge joke that, that caused someone to laugh. But it wasn't a joke. It was it was for real. No, it, was, it was real. It was real, real, Ross. Uh, doesn't That's count. Fun. He yeah. was caught in Debenhams underwear, ladies' underwear department. I took, I took my Reading ticket by mistake. Uh, <laughs> and he had to go and hang out there. <laughs> Yeah, they wouldn't let me in with it. Surprise, surprise. Funny that, isn't it? Anyway. Um, Look, it looked know, very similar. We will be back next week, and I will be joined by Jonathan Kidd, Son's uh, ladies' underwear, hopefully, and uh, hopefully uh, the return of Clayton Beerman, if he's better, and, of course, Dan Silves will be back amongst us as well, so that'll be a cracker. So don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Tim at Tim underscore Rolls and of course Chelsea Supporters Trust at Chelsea S Trust uh, and of course check out the website ChelseaFanCast.com What about me mate? Well because you told me you didn't want me to read your Twitter name out No I never said that You have well maybe it was somebody else you can follow Ross at Ross Mooring Thank you Is that good? Much, so, Sorry about that I've got clearly confused you with somebody who wanted to be anonymous Anyway, enough. Uh, it's been brilliant fun this week. I've really enjoyed it. Ross, thank you so much, mate. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, great to be on as always, mate. Tim, superb to have you on the show. Thank you for your time, and I'll see you at the Southampton game. You will, indeed. Looking forward to it. Jonathan, as always, great to have you on, and I'll uh, hear you next Monday. Fantastic. Lovely stuff. All right, and a massive, 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 massive thank you to all of the lovely people that have been uh, in uh, Mixler with us uh, this today. And thank God we managed to get the show out 
uh, just in the nick of time. It was looking a bit gloomy about half an hour before, but uh, I'm glad we did because I hate I would have hated to have disappointed you all, and you've made it worthwhile as you always do. So thank you, you lot, uh, and many thanks to my guests. As I said, thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.